I think since the last time we spoke with you. Tell our listeners what you do now. Yes, sir. Um, I've recently been blessed with the opportunity to write with the good people at USA Today Sports Media Group covering the Jaguars for their site called the Jaguars. And um, I'm the managing editor for the site as of right now. And uh, we're one of the newer sites on the USA Today uh, Wire network. Wonderful, brother. You deserve that, man. I'm glad because I'm glad you hooked on with them because uh, I know that you are everything uh, when it comes to, you know, everything when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, you're pretty knowledgeable overall with what's happening in the NFL. And with that, let's get started. And I've been talking about the Jags this morning. James, obviously a lot of people know now by listening this morning, it's been, it was a big day yesterday for the Jaguars. It was a huge day, a crazy day across the NFL for free agency. I, for one, have never seen anything like this. James, it continues to get crazier and crazier, it seems, every year. Yeah, the NFL, since the, uh, the collection bargaining agreement seems to get crazier and crazier by the year and that's because you know more and more is getting added on onto the salary cap as we all know and um you know i guess uh you know they've always said free agency was for uh making it the division or should i say the nfl a more competitive league and the teams that are on the bottom like the jaguars now have a opportunity to you know close the gap between themselves and other teams due to the collection and bargain agreement and some other factors as, you know, they were blessed enough or uh, they, they had the opportunity to basically spend a lot of money this period in free agency. Along with the Browns as well, they had a lot of cap and uh, a lot of other, other teams that have been on the bottom of the totem pole uh, since, uh, since uh, free agency started. Well, I know that uh, Tom Coughlin, Dave Campbell, Shad Khan <clears throat> had all said – through press releases this week leading up to yesterday that, yeah, they're going to be active in free agency. Boy, they weren't joking. Let's take a look at some of the deals. And really and truly, James, as of right now, two of the biggest, if not the biggest deals coming in free agency yesterday across the NFL had to do with the Jaguars. I'll start with the Jaguars signing A.J. Boye with a five-year, $67 million deal. Talk about Boye and what he'll be able to do starting at corner now for the Jags opposite the former Florida State Seminole, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, this this is a move that, you know, A.J. Boye, according to who you asked, basically was the best free agent on the market or one of the best top or top two, should I say. So um, this is a guy that really, really is going to help them. If he pans out like he did for the Houston Texans, as you said, he's going to be starting on the opposite side of Jalen Ramsey, who is all who's already shown the ability to be a, sh- a shutdown corner in himself. So that gives the Jaguars on paper one of the better tandems in the league. As AJ Boye is a guy they're familiar with with the Texans. He did a little bit of everything when I watched him on film over there. He played in the slot. He played on the outside. Um, this is a guy that, you know, was a, a star for their defense, and he could certainly do so with the Jags, especially now that their pass rush should be better. So uh, I can't wait to see those two at work. Uh, also, Aaron Colvin will be there in the nickel, and they got Barry Church. So that overall secondary is going to look a lot better than it did last year. 
and uh, that that can be pretty much um, put down on paper because, as I said, they now have the pass rush, and it's going to be exciting to watch those guys. Absolutely. Now, um, James, I did mention, and we'll stay with the secondary. Uh, it's subtraction uh, or addition through subtraction, I should say, with the Jags, not only acquiring new players, new names, but also releasing some yesterday. Cinderic Marks is gone, but uh, uh, looking at the uh, the defensive backfield like we were, Devon House released by the Jags a few days ago. Yeah, those were two of the guys that, you know, they got significant play time for the Jaguars when, you know, they first signed with the Jags at least. Uh, and Derek Marks was on the cusp of becoming one of the better defensive tackles in the league when he first signed with the Jaguars. And they actually um, reached, uh, re-signed him before the um, – he, he initially signed a one-year deal. They ended up re-signing him before that was over because he played so well. And um, in – I want to say, what, 2014 it was. He was one of the NFL's top 100 players uh, listed in the 70s or somewhere along those lines. But uh, he was a very solid defensive tackle for the Jaguars until the rash of injuries came. And I think ultimately that's what, you know, started the decline in his play. Uh, as we all know, he had the, um, the injury with his arm, of course. And then before that, he tore his ACL. So, uh, that being said, you know, it was just a case that he was on his last year of his deal. You know, they, they wanted to save the money. And, uh, you know, he, he was a guy that had been injury-prone in the past. And uh, it, he was a guy that they wanted to trade at the combine. Obviously, they didn't get what they wanted for him, or they didn't get anybody to bite at all. So, in the end, they ended up uh, letting him go. Same with Devon House. They wanted to trade him. Uh, they, they asked some people around at the combine. Didn't get any bites on that. So, in the end, they ended up cutting the both of those guys. All right. So uh, we talked about A.J. Boyer, standout shutdown corner, formerly of the Texans. He comes over. He'll compliment, as we mentioned, uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, and suddenly makes the Jaguars' defensive backfield uh, very strong. Now, uh, maybe, and boy, as if A.J. Boyer wouldn't, or, uh, you know, A.J. Boyer wouldn't already big enough, talk about Calais Campbell. Uh, this is one that Denver uh tried to spoil the Jaguars party, kept trying to go after and sneak in the back door to get Calais Campbell after he had given the Jaguars a verbal agreement. Uh but once he was able to, he stuck with the Jaguars officially. Right, right. And the fan in me, as I was watching this around one o'clock yesterday, I was like, Go away, Denver, please just go away. <laughs> because this isn't the first time that the Jaguars and Denver have, you know, had a bidding war for a player. You know, it was, um, you know, first we took Julius Thomas from him. And then last year it was Malik Jackson. So they got a bit of history in terms of uh, free agency battles. And, um, you know, Calais Campbell is a guy that he's from Denver. So, uh, you know, it, it was said that he might give him a hometown discount. And obviously he would have the luxury to win over there as opposed to, uh, you know, Jacksonville. Not saying he won't win this year with Jacksonville, but – they are a little bit uh, – they have a better foundation over there in Denver. So that was one of the things that, you know, could have pulled him away uh, alongside, you know, Denver being his home. But that being said, this is a good addition for the Jaguars, and they really needed this because, as we all know, last year with Olivier Vernon, they missed out on getting a pass rusher in, in free agency, and they, they could have really used Olivier Vernon when looking back at it, even though Yannick Ngakwe had a very good season. 
it's still crystal clear that they need a veteran to help him out as well. So this is a great addition for him. He will play at the fourth technique defensive end role, which is where Jared Audrick played. But he brings a little bit more of a pass rushing dynamic to the to the position. So uh, that will definitely help them from that aspect because now not only will they have Yannick on one side, they'll have a pass rusher in Calais Campbell on the other side. And Malik Jackson also played well holding down the middle. So now they have a, a solid pass rush coming from all ends of that defensive line. Absolutely. And also, and I call this the big three yesterday that the Jaguars were able to land in addition to AJ Boye and Calais Campbell. Uh, talk about the pickup of Barry Church, uh, the free safety from the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, according to foot, uh, Pro Football Focus, he's a highly regarded safety. Um, pro Football Focus rated the or graded the Cowboys as the best secondary in the league. Though, you know, some people will argue with that, and I'm one that probably will. Uh, There's no question that they are talented, oh, no doubt. Though, though I don't know they're the best in the league, but uh, Pro Football Focus seems to think that Barry Church was pretty much the best member of that secondary who they rated as the number one secondary. So from a, from a you know, statistics standpoint and from looking at an analytics standpoint, uh, he's definitely a great addition as, um, you know, they did say they're going to openly let Jonathan Cyprian test the market, which he did. Um, if I recall, I think he ended up signing with our rivals in the Titans. So it was clear that the Jaguars did need somebody to replace him. They went out and did that. They struck fast, and that was Tom Coughlin's uh, – basically that was his – first verbal signing of, uh, you know, being the executive vice president of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, Barry Church will definitely help that back in as uh, he'll join Jalen Ramsey and uh, Boye uh, to, to make one of the better secondaries, hopefully, in the league. All right, so some other uh, players. Uh, we talked about addition. Now some players are gone. Of course, we talked about Devon House, Cinderic Marks, and uh, Luke Jekyll also gone. Right, Luke Joke was going to sign, uh, or he has signed with um, the Seattle Seahawks, which is no surprise because they, uh, schematically in terms of their offensive line, they kind of do some of the same things the Jacksonville Jaguars do. So that one was no surprise. As you all know, like, we, we took him in the first round. Didn't really pan out, had a couple injuries. So that'll be, I think, of all of the um, guys that left, that'll be the most interesting one. Because, you know, the, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line situation isn't the best in the world. We know that. And we talked about it actually on your show, field when uh, the Seahawks were in the playoffs playing the Atlanta Falcons. And it was crystal clear that, you know, they could use some help along that offensive line. So I'll be uh, that'll be the one that I'll be watching the most of all of the departures from the Jacksonville Jaguars. As uh, Luke Jokum might can turn his career around over there, but we'll have to see. Uh, Jaguars decided to bring back some key players. Uh, among them, wide receiver Brian Walters re-signed uh, to the team. Yeah, Brian Walters, the interesting thing about him, uh, at one point in time I think he was one of the only players on the roster that had actually been to the Super Bowl, and he went with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So uh, he's a veteran savvy guy, um, savvy route runner. Uh, you know, this is a guy that uh, he serves as a punt returner as well. So, you know, there's value there as well, which Joe Dick Millis, the special teams coordinator, will value. So that might not have a lot to do with it. But um, in terms of on the wide receiver roster, he'll probably be towards the back end. 
Um, you know, there there's talks that he could battle with Rashad Green as well as uh, Rashad Green hasn't been up to par lately. But we'll see how uh, you know you know how he t- turns things around and if he can whether or not. But uh, it makes for a good battle in training camp between those two and some others as you know they all serve as that kind of like third, fourth, fifth receiver role, also with value on special teams. All right, now let's go to uh, the the interior. And I know yesterday when you and I talked uh, via text, you had expressed concern, uh, wishing the Jags, I think, had gotten a guard. Didn't do too bad, though, getting Brandon Albert, the big tackle, and that should be uh, do us a lot of good, especially protecting the blind side of one Blake Bortles. Right, right, and there was speculation that he might could even play guard if they, you know, landed an offensive tackle to put on the perimeter there, but uh, obviously they weren't able to do that, at least not as of yet. Uh, so, yeah, Brandon Albert, you know, it was a case of uh, with Julius Thomas, it didn't really work out. He was injury-prone, basically. Yep. They wanted to go another direction, so, you know, they called the Miami Dolphins, who were uh, initially going to pretty much release Albert and said, hey, you know, let's let's exercise this trade, you know. We get something we need, and we send you guys something you need in return because Julius Thomas, as we all know, played with Adam Gase when he was in Denver. So uh, that was a good exchange. We'll have to see how it goes exactly because uh, for those who are big fans of pro football focus, um, you know, he, he does. Brandon Albert doesn't have the best grade on pro football focus, if you will. But uh, this is a guy that obviously Tom Coughlin believes in uh, as they have traded for him. And keep in mind that Doug Marone is the offensive line guru. So this is a guy, even though, you know, Brandon Albert is a veteran, this is a guy that, you know, Doug Marone probably sees a lot into and some potential in as well if he can stay healthy. All right, talk about the addition. Don't know a whole lot about Lorente McRae. I know he's a standout special teams player. I think he'll serve as a role player for the Jaguars, uh, probably back us up at linebacker. Uh, talk about right. McCray. Yeah, this is a guy that uh, I was familiar with, Lorente McCray, when he went to uh, the University of Florida, if I recall. as uh, he, he played our Bulldogs many a times. And uh, his deal was one for uh, – it was a one-year deal for uh, a maximum of $3.5 million, but uh, $1 million of that is guaranteed. So when you look at the figures to that, yeah, it's clear that they probably want him in a reserve role on special teams as uh, he probably could offer some help there. I mean, as I said with Joe DiCamillis, this is a guy that looks for special teams aces and guys that can, you know, tackle and that are sure tacklers and that just want to simply go down and hit and take somebody down. So that might be a case of them trying to help him out as well while shoring up, you know, the, the uh, reserve role in terms of the linebacker position. Talking to James Johnson from USA Today Sports Wire, joining us here on the show. And uh, James, of course, covering the, the Jags and the NFL. Now, let me ask you this, uh, uh, James. And, and by the way, we'll talk about some other changes with the Jaguars. But with all we've talked about so far, obviously major additions, a few big-time subtractions. I remember this time a year ago, we were so excited because the Jaguars were doing similar things with acquiring some key free agents, but we saw how that turned out. What's going to be the biggest difference, or let's just say the difference, James, between what we're doing this year versus what took place last year in free agency? How is this year going to be different? Well, 
you know, well, for one, if, if you're looking forward, I believe, um, you know, with the additions made, <clears throat> as opposed to what Gus Bradley did with the additions that they made last year, mm-hmm. I think Doug Marone will probably do more. It, it's a good chance that Doug Marone will do more with the additions made. And um, another thing to that, that stood out this time is this time they went out and got the pass rusher. You know, they, they really didn't let anybody else get in the way. Um, in terms of how they did with Olivier Vernon, they dropped out of his sweet space. Uh, you know, they realized that it's an issue on the edge, and they just did simply whatever it took to get uh, Calais Campbell to come in and uh, play with them. As uh, I think I recall, it was somebody from ESPN, can't recall the name, but when they spoke with Calais Campbell, one of the things that he said stood out to him when he talked with the Jaguars was Tom Coughlin and the fact that Tom Coughlin wants to win he wants to build, and he wants to be a winner instantly. And Calais Campbell said that Coughlin struck him as a winner and, and really wants him in that locker room. So that's the biggest difference is they have Coughlin now, and I think that the head coach, Doug Marone, will do more with the tools given to him than, than Gus Bradley did. And furthermore, uh, the Jaguars just did whatever they needed to do to get whoever they wanted and then let anybody get in their way this year. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, speaking of Doug Marone, uh, I know that there, there are some folks out there that, uh, are not quite sure of the pick. Um, certainly wasn't the most sexy name, uh, when the Jaguars announced that they would not be retaining the services of one Gus Bradley. But I like what Gus Marone did, uh, once he took over as an interim coach. I think he got a raw deal at Buffalo, uh, which didn't have a bad showing there in the two years he was head coach there. I say let's give him a chance. I like the move. Yeah, in this day and age, especially after we're talking about all the things that happened yesterday, if you're not talking about big, sexy, flashy, then sometimes folks don't tend to give the credit where credit's due. I like the hire of Doug Marone, albeit I know it's it's been in the news now for a couple of weeks. But still, uh, let's talk about him and what, as you alluded to, the difference he's going to make this year, especially with the changes on this team. Right, uh, and when we uh, first named him head coach, me, you talked about him, and yeah, I, I would have preferred to have a Josh McDaniels or maybe a Kyle Shanahan, but um, you know, just in in the time that he has been the head coach and interim head coach, one thing that I do like about Doug Marone, and you can't take away from him, is the fact that he's a hard nosed, no nonsense coach, and you know, you could argue that's probably what the Jags need. You know, they need a coach that basically he's Tom Coughlin. Uh, when Tom Coughlin was with the Jaguars in the 90s, upset for, you know, Tom Coughlin's more of a, a wide receiver guru as opposed to Doug Marone's an offensive line guru. But they're both no-nonsense guys, both the same type of coach that is needed for this young roster who, you know, we one of the youngest teams in the league who could use some, you know, some added stress on them, but at the same time somebody who can maybe get more out of them and get better out of them. So, you know, he'll he'll hold the locker room down a little bit better. And um, I think that Doug Marone, I don't want to put a specific number on the record they'll have this year, but I do think Doug Marone would better minimize the Jaguars' young talent as opposed to Gus Bradley. So I do like that about him. And I am excited to see where this goes because, you know, he has a coaching style that, that's going to be rugged, hard-nosed, and, you know, it could help the Jaguars return to their – 
All right, now well, let's take a look uh, outside of the Jags for a second. Obviously, some uh, some other big names and a lot of big news taking place yesterday. Jay Cutler, of course, released by the Bears, and the uh, Mike Glennon comes to the Bears. A huge deal coming over from Tampa Bay. Um, I, I think that, uh, and I said this earlier. I think Mike Glennon may be given a, a, a raw deal. I think this guy is going to turn out to be a pretty solid quarterback. He'll be an upgrade, I think, uh, for the Bears. Uh, going to be interesting to see if Jay Cutler now can find a home. Uh, he didn't seem the most popular guy in the locker room. I still think the guy can play football. Things didn't work out for whatever reason at Chicago. I think Jay Cutler is made for turf. Like a team, not to say the Falcons are going to take him, but he's made for a team like that, that plays on turf, right. that's fast, speedy. Your take on that situation? Yeah, it, you know, I'm having a hard time placing where Jay Cutler could be uh, or could go. But um, in terms of Mike Glennon, uh, this is a guy that, you know, I I like Mike Glennon coming out of the draft when he uh, entered the draft from, um, I, I believe it was NC State, if I recall, and he had the arm strength. And he's always as a backup that people have always looked at as like, hey, if this guy can start, you know, maybe maybe whoever gives him a chance, you know, he can be a, a franchise quarterback. I won't say franchise quarterback, but one that is adequate at what he does and, and one that can certainly make the, the offense suffice. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with him over there in Chicago as uh, John Fox certainly has the defense to complement him so that this is a team that, you know, we could see some significant improvement from, uh, you know, if he takes better care of the ball than Jay Cutler did um, and they can get the run game going. The defense is there for Chicago to make some improvement. So that'll be one of the teams to watch up north going forward. All right. Now, of course, the, the, the story that really got everybody's attention yesterday, and I have talked about it a couple of times already, and that, of course, the uh, the signing, if you will, of um um Brock Osweiler to the Texans and now there's even some doubt that Osweiler is going to stay uh, I'm sorry with the Browns um from the Texans now there's some doubt whether Brock Osweiler is even going to stay with the Browns you know a year ago we were having this discussion about Brock Osweiler in a totally different vein though as he, of course, had done some great things with Denver during the regular season. Uh, that gave him a lot of bargaining power, he and his agent, with the Broncos. John Elway, though, called the bluff, said, no, we're not going to do it. Despite what you did for us this year, we don't think you're worth it. Texans able to acquire the rights of Brock Osweiler, but it's only for one year, as he was not able to parlay his success in Denver at Houston now, what happens with Osweiler? You think the Browns will keep him and try to build around him? What happens now with this deal, this mega deal being talked about through all circles of the NFL with Brock Osweiler going to Cleveland? Yeah, that's that's a good one there. Like to, in in terms of like trying to speculate what will happen because you know a lot of people really don't know. The thing is, it's it's a good chance that they're saying at least they're reporting this that. The Cleveland Browns really want to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo with the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, if they'll do that or not, or they'll come to agreement, that's to be seen. And, and you know, it's, it's a case of do the Patriots want to let Jimmy Garoppolo go 
as opposed to do the Browns really want him? Because, you know, from what I read, it does sound like the Browns are really interested in getting him and starting him more so than Brock Osweiler, but it will be a, a situation to watch. So, um, I, you know what? I, I, if I had to guess, I would say he probably starts for them. And I'm, and I'm talking about Osweiler over Jimmy Garoppolo because it's going to be hard to apply uh, pry Garoppolo from the New England Patriots. And I think, you know, it might get to a point where the Patriots want too much for him and the Browns are just going to have that stopping point where they're like, you know, you know, we can't give that up for this guy. So we'll have to see. But that'll be a situation to watch uh, as, as those two, you know, exchange, exchange ideas or, or exchange, um, you know, figures or whatever you want to call it in terms of, uh, you know, trading Garoppolo to the Browns because I, I think, you know, as of now, probably Brock Osweiler will probably have to end up starting for the Cleveland Browns if I had to guess, though. Talking with James Johnson this morning. Uh, James with uh, USA Today Sports uh, Wire. Uh, you can check out his stuff. Now, are you specifically following the Jags or the NFL as a whole, James? Uh, I've been specifically following the Jags as of lately because, you know, managing a site with the Jags, you got to keep your, your ear to the ground, so to speak. But, I mean, I do follow the, Jag, uh, the, the NFL as a whole as well because our wire site has a site called the Touchdown Wire, which keeps people informed of just league-wide news in general. A very good site if you all want to check that out. That's the touchdownwire.usatoday.com. So, you know, I try to keep my ear to the Touchdown Wire when I can, but I predominantly focus on the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, so I guess the biggest question, too, with the Jaguars now, even with all the moves that we made, I say we because we, of course, are your proud radio home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, are, are the Jags through, or can we expect more uh, free agent signings? Is there any money left, James? <laughs> yeah, I was before I uh, called you. I was trying to do the cap figures in my head and figure out what, what's left. But I mean, they they had so much, so I'm sure they do have some cap available. I'll be posting about that soon on the Jaguars wire, and uh, you know. They, they, I don't think they're done in terms of, um, signings overall. They're probably done with the big signing. Uh, though, you know, it, I, I think the guard from, um, from Green Bay still out there. His name is escaping me. Uh, but, you know, they might look to him. But I, I tend to think that they'll probably take care of their offensive line in the draft. Though the draft isn't the strongest offensive line class, uh, they, they, in the interior, it's a little bit better better there, so I believe that the Jaguars might look to the draft to add a, some interior uh, linemen there. But uh, that'll be interesting to watch to see if they address that in free agency uh, because that was more so one of their bigger needs than some of the other things they addressed. But uh, we will see, though. Now, uh, Dick Rocky and I were talking yesterday, and Dick, if you got something for James, you can uh, step in here. We were talking earlier, and I mentioned the fact that, you know, if you look at free agency uh, and the way certain teams go about it, New England never has been a major player in free agency, yet we see the results of their work, their seasons, and uh, their personnel moves. So having said that, and, and using uh, the, the Patriots as sort of a benchmark here, there's no guarantee that these moves, and of course we found this out last year, James, 
uh, with all the free agency moves that the uh, the Jaguars made. Not only to mention a solid draft that we had. Now, I think the draft picks were solid. I think they're going to pan out in time. Obviously, free agency did not. So, uh, again, uh, NFL teams don't make championships through free agency. But with that being said, who were some of the winners and losers yesterday in the NFL as far as free agency goes? Would you classify this class yesterday for the Jags as equal to last year's, which was an A-plus? Yeah, you know what? I think this this class is a little bit better for the Jaguars because, as I said, with the Calais Campbell thing, they you know even though he he kind of plays a defensive tackle type role, he gives them a pass rush from that role, which that's what they try to get in Olivier Vernon, and that's what they need. So you you know they got something that they couldn't get last year with with Campbell, and uh, that you know he's going to complement Yannick Ngakwe pretty well. I think that's going to really pan out for them in the end but um in terms of what you were saying about the patriots and how they don't spend you know that's the way that it should be done you know and the jaguars unfortunately are in a in a place where you know they they have a lot of cap space and you know they kind of make you use it and whatnot so i guess the jaguars mindset is you know why not use it so i mean i think if you look at what the patriots are doing compared to the jaguars is you know it's going to come a point you know if things pan out for the Jaguars you know we can't look into the future but hopefully if things pan out for the Jaguars they'll be to the point where the Patriots are where they don't really have to use free agency anymore but right now they're in a situation where they're on the bottom of the league they have a lot of money and they they might as well use it to their disclosure to get to that point but um you know I, I feel like when you're one of the better teams in the league you don't really have to use free agency as the Patriots have and hopefully, you know, in due time, that'll be the case for the Jaguars. So uh, we, we'll have to see. Uh, we, we we don't have a crystal ball, as I said, but we'll have to see. Um, as you know, later down the road, the Jaguars will probably have to take care of more of their own, like Allen Robinson. And, you know, maybe if Blake Bortles pans out him and Kelvin Smith and, you know, those type of guys. So I think in the future, if they do things correctly, they'll be more of a team that takes care of their own and draft well as they had have or they mostly have, and uh, they'll be one of those teams more like the Patriots in the future if things can pan out. A question I have for you is, is Tom Coughlin, is he the final decision maker on this? I know the owner's probably involved in the coach, but is Coughlin the final guy making these choices? Yes, he is. He absolutely is the final decision maker. Uh, and as, as we all know, last year that was Dave Caldwell's job, the GM. So Dave Caldwell will now serve more of the role of a scout or, or a, you know, a guy that goes out and scouts and evaluates the talent and and do what he does well. I mean, that's what he did best when he was in Atlanta under Thomas Dimitrov was, you know, go out and find the talent and evaluate the talent. While Tom Coughlin handles, the, you know, the, the front office role. So I guess he, he will basically report to Tom Coughlin as the, as the general manager about the scouting uh, decisions and whatnot and, and ideas and whatnot. And Tom Coughlin ultimately is the, the decision-maker for the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of who they draft, uh, in terms of who makes the roster, and this, that, and the other, you know, in terms of uh, should we give this person that contract. But Dave Caldwell is a guy that can, you know, suggest things to him. But as I just said, obviously Tom Coughlin, yes, he is the guy running the show in Jacksonville. I feel good about that. I mean, he's he's a proven winner, knows how to do it. So I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward to this. 
Yeah, you, you know, the thing about it is people were concerned about when Tom Coughlin basically running the show because from before, you know, it was a point where he basically served the same role and it didn't go all that well. But now I think it's, it's better because he now has a better staff around him to rely on in terms of scouting with Dave Caldwell. That's his strength. <clears throat> um, John Isaac can take care of the contracts, and he's done a good job with that. You know, he's managed the, the Jaguars' cap situation very well, so they can always rely on John Isaac in terms of a guy to, to watch the cap and, and a guy to monitor that. So, you know, in terms of what's around Tom Coughlin, I think, you know, ultimately if they can, you know, they can work together as a collective unit and they don't bump heads, I think those guys can really help him as well as he can help them because as a coach, he's done some phenomenal things, and, you know, he, he has a lot of experience. So uh, we'll have to see if it actually pans out. But if they don't bump heads, you know, they do make an interesting front office. All right. You know, as bad as – I say as bad as uh, still – as many question marks surround the Jaguars. And, look, I still think we're a franchise on the way up. Hey, we could be – the Washington Redskins, what a disaster that franchise has become. And no surprise under um, Dan Snyder, the the owner. Just, just guy has no clue. That organization has no clue. A once proud organization uh, under Coach Joe Gibbs. Uh, but, man, they are nothing like the Washington Redskins of old. And that's a shame because that's a great fan base up there. Right, right. You know, it's... Jacksonville fans often, you know, often think about that. Feel, you know, you know, are we doing things the right way in terms of spending a lot of money in free agency? You know, and one thing that concerns them also is the Jaguars' uh, first round pick haven't been all that good. We, you know, we've said, you know, they drafted well for the most part, but when you look at the first round pick, it's, it's a little concerning. You know, Blake Portals is uh, is a pending situation. Uh, Luke Joku, obviously, we just let him go to the Seattle Seahawks. There was Dante Fowler, who, you know, hasn't panned out as, as well as they would like so far, at least. You know, there's still time for him. But he doesn't look like a natural pass rusher at times. So, you know, uh, up until Jalen Ramsey, that was a big concern. And also, you know, the the ability that, or should I say, the um, the usage of the cap situation <laughs> which I wouldn't really be all that concerned with because, I, as I said, John Isaac has done a good job monitoring that. But that, that for whatever reason, does concern the fans. However, that doesn't really concern me. It's more of a concern with the first-round picks and, and our ability to hit on those that, you know, make me worry about that comparison to the Redskins and what they did wrong. So, you know, you're right, Phil. That That is a situation right there with the Redskins where they, they have been managed poorly, and, you know, you, you kind of wonder if the Jaguars are going down the right path as a fan, you know. Well, look, you know, there's no comparison. I mean, Dan Snyder couldn't hold uh, – well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, let's just say that Shad Khan is is quickly becoming one of the top young owners in the NFL. And uh, I think he's doing all the right things, bringing in top Coughlin, as we talked about, putting him in a position of seniority and one of guidance for Dave Caldwell – and bringing in uh, or hiring Doug Marone, keeping Doug Marone, I guess I should say. So I think Khan does things a little bit different uh, in terms of the way he sees people and personnel. He's not following uh, the same blueprint like a Dan Snyder is. 
I mean, look at it from the coaching situation. Snyder is all about going out and getting the, you know, the next big name, uh, as far as coaching goes. Uh, uh, Shadcon did not do that with Doug Marone, uh, instead, instead of the sexy name, he thought he had the right guy. So that right. one, that one thing right there, I think is the biggest difference that separates those two. And I think that's what's going to make, uh, in the end, the Jaguars a winner. And let's hope that that'll come sooner than later. Absolutely. As, as you said, you know, we talked about Shad Khan, and you're right, he is, when you look at it compared to the path that Dan Snyder has taken, you know, he, he is a little bit, uh, it's not a little bit, actually, he is a lot less, less reckless than Dan Snyder has been with the um, with the Washington Redskins. So, you know, that is a, a big plus for the Jacksonville community. Uh, he's been a good a good citizen to the Jacksonville community as well. He loves the city. You know, he gives back. He's always trying to to send ideas out there. You know, the th- the ideas with the shipyard. So you know, he's a trailblazer. And you know, I he's a really good figure for the city of Jacksonville, not just for the team, but just for the city as well. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, in the end, I do think it does pan out for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But as I say, you know, as the human part of you does have concerns. But at the same time, this is a guy that has been a proven. In terms of a businessman, he knows what he's doing. And it, it seems that, you know, he, he wants to make the team better as well and is doing his best and what is best for the team to make the Jaguars flourish in the future. James, good stuff, buddy, as always. That's uh, why we uh, love you coming on with us. And, uh, hey, we'll probably ask you to keep us posted over the next week or two as, uh, again, free agency continues and we'll continue to hear players come and go. So, uh, we'll ask you to come back on with us maybe next week and uh, continue to get your take on some of these crazy moves going on around the NFL, my man. Absolutely. I, I'll gladly come on. And, uh, you know, with the draft coming on, that's one of the things I like to watch and study a lot. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be willing to come on in the future, talk some NFL <laughs> draft. And uh, after that, you know, there's training camp and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I get to see you guys in Jacksonville as we uh, watch and see what the team can become. Absolutely. James Johnson from USA Today Sports Wire. James, again, buddy, thanks for calling in. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, it ain't like you got uh, a lack of stuff to keep up with. So we'll talk with you next week. All right, Phil. Appreciate it, and y'all have a good one. All right, you too, James. That's our buddy James Johnson checking in with us. Very knowledgeable young man. Wow. He is sharp as a tack. Right yeah, he really is. That's why I love having him on the show. He never hesitated. Anything you ask him, it was just immediate. He didn't even. <laughs> that's You and him make a good team. Well, he's, uh, and that is the thing. You're right. You know, I don't exchange notes with him beforehand. I just say, hey, I want to bring you on. We primarily talk Jacksonville, but, you know, there's a lot of other things happening.